Welcome to season two of the Let's Break Bread podcast. This is Eli. This is my new. And this season, we will be focusing on what it looks like and what it means to walk alongside each other as Christians today. We hope these conversations will challenge and inspire your faith. We hope they will also encourage your walk with the Lord and with each other. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram at Let's Break Bread Podcast. Friends, let's break bread together. Come invited and listen in on gospel-centered conversations. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Let's Break Bread podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the Enneagram with Eden Cron. Eden, uh, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and share with us a little bit about what you do? Yeah, um, so my name is Eden Cron. Um, I am currently living outside of Michigan. Um, I am a mom of three young girls and I stay home with them full time. Um, but on the side, I also own a small apparel business called Creation in Mind, um, which is a reflection of prayer and, and the Enneagram uh, that I love to practice. And so that is uh, what I'm doing currently. Um, and then a quote that we share and we ask all of our guests is from Tim Keller. And it goes, if the gospel is that you are more sinful than you ever thought you were, and you are more loved than you ever dreamed you could be, for you, when was the gospel first good news? And how is it still today? So I, I grew up in the Hmong churches, uh, the first generation Hmong churches here um, in Michigan. And um, I did a little rebel stint in college. <laughs> um, so I was completely living outside of the faith at that time and outside of faith communities for the better part of about five years. Uh, a few years after college, um, I was living in Dallas at the time. I went to church and at that church, the pastor gave a super simple message about the gospel, right? And it's the gospel message that we've heard a million times before in our upbringing. But at that moment and in that time, uh, the spirit of God just shattered my world and, and the foundation of my life at that time through the simple message of the gospel. Um, and, and I love my story. Uh, because as insignificant as it sounds, right, you know, I went to church on a Sunday <laughs> and I heard the gospel, but it proves to me and it continues to prove to me that um, you don't need anything outside of the power of the gospel to call you back home. And uh, we're speaking about the Enneagram today and I, and I love practicing the Enneagram and I'm a huge advocate for it. Uh, but my story constantly reminds me that um, it's supplemental to the gospel and everything is supplemental to the gospel. And it's sort of my story in that, uh, that is the power behind everything that I do uh, right now. And the message I want to give out to others, uh, whether that be through my ministry or, or my business. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing a part of your story with us. You know, it really is amazing how, you know, one day can really make such a profound difference, you know, when it comes to how God works, right? Mm, how we yeah. can grow up in the church and then, you know, go a separate way. And then one day God's just like, here's the good news and I'm calling you mm. home. And I love your story. Thank you for sharing that with us today. Yes. So yes. as we dive in, um, Eden, tell us, what is the Enneagram? Like, what's this all about? <laughs> yeah, so the simplest way I can put it is that the Enneagram is a tool uh, for understanding ourselves and the people in our lives. And I always lead with saying that the Enneagram is not kind. And uh, in one of my favorite books on the Enneagram, Mirror to the Soul, 
Um, Alice Bray says that the Enneagram is not in the business of handing out compliments. And um, it's a tool that's used for not pointing out our strengths, but rather our weaknesses. And the Enneagram is essentially that mirror into the darkest part of your ego. But if you have the courage to really look into that mirror, um, in it, you can also find tools uh, for deep healing and transformation and work toward becoming all that God has called you to be. And as we said a little bit, on the other side, the Enneagram is also a tool used for greater compassion uh, for those that you do life with. And so on the Enneagram, there are nine different types of personalities and each one struggles with a wounding message that um, affects their well-being. And uh, knowing these allows you to really sympathize when someone might not be living outside of their best self. Um, so those are the two really main practices uh, behind the Enneagram. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and so just going a little deeper, if you don't mind sharing, what is your Enneagram number and how has that been helpful for you? Yeah, so I am a, I'm a one. I'm a very proud one. I wasn't when I found out because I, I think if you read about ones, uh, it sounds offensive. <laughs> um, but that but finding out that I was a one was transformative for me. And uh, for one, it put a lot of language uh, to a lot of pain that I had in my life and um, open wounds that I really didn't know how to reconcile. Um, so a little background, ones are driven by the desire to be good and perfect. And uh, when we fall short of that, uh, because we're human and inevitably <laughs> we will, uh, ones are then berated by what is called the inner critic, uh, which is a voice that's always telling us how insufficient that we are. Um, and so all types have some sort of inner critic. I think we all battle with that. But ones are also known to have one that is the cruelest. And so for me growing up, I always felt like I was never really enough. And I was kind of just always below what everyone really wanted of me. And so that led to a lot of anger and resentment um, in my younger years. And so especially in the faith, I just never felt with uh, that God could really love me. And because of the way I was wired to understand love, uh, grace was not a concept that I really fully comprehended. And so I was, I truly believed before I knew the Enneagram, I didn't know this, but I truly believed that I couldn't be loved if I wasn't checking all the criterias of what it meant to be a perfect individual to a certain person. And so that's a huge lie in the life of ones. Um, and so when I, when the enemy comes knocking, right, with that lie, it, I was so susceptible to it. But through the Enneagram, I discovered how big of a role um, grace played in my growth path. Um, and so I also want to say that each Enneagram type has a growth path um, that's significant. And so I know uh, you guys mentioned you didn't know too much about the Enneagram. So let me just give uh, a little background into that on each type. Uh, so once again, um, the best way to grow in our in, into health is to find serenity through grace. Uh, twos is finding humility. Uh, threes is finding that in truth and authenticity. Uh, fours in emotional balance. Uh, fives in transparency and non-attachment. Uh, sixes in courage. Seven, finding it in sobriety. Eights in innocence. And for the nines to find it in action. Just from that, yeah. like I tested a five just from that. I'm like, oh yeah, what the heck? That's so real. Like that's uh, oh, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Did that connect I with I feel you? super yeah. red. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's amazing. I love that that like resonated with you guys. Yeah, I agree. Because I feel like 
um, with the experience I have with Enneagram, which is like minimal, right? Minimal experience. It's like you said, it was helpful. It is continuing to be helpful in just providing the vocabulary to describe like this internal reality that I experience that ultimately becomes an external reality, you know, how I interact with myself and other people and how I, um, how I receive things, right? So like as a person who falls into like a two category, you know, wanting, like finding that your basic fear is like feeling un- of being unwanted and unloved and then your desire is to be loved. I'm like, oh, this makes so much <laughs> sense why I'm so afraid of certain things or why certain things motivate me, you know, mm, yeah. um, in the sense of wanting to be like, helpful Mm -hmm. um to others and that feeling that if I'm not helpful enough then I am therefore unwanted and therefore unlovable and Mm -hmm. that falls so quickly into like like, you know the the way we see God you know if we're not doing x y and z for the Lord then we fall in somewhere and so therefore if we're not useful to him we're unlovable to him right Mm -hmm. and that's that's yeah. not how the gospel works um, at all. Um, and to be able to have these, this vocabulary to be like, oh yeah, this is why I think this way. Um, this is why I perceive other people this way. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> you know? Yes. And then to be able to turn to God and say, God, this is where I need you to enter in um, and help me to understand that the finished work of your son is enough. Yes. Yeah, that's so good. I, you know, I mentioned when I found out I was a one, I, I hated it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, tell us about I, that. <laughs> <Cool>. yeah. <laughs> yes, because uh, so when you read about ones, they're they're judgmental, critical. They are. Um, yeah, I know it's horrible, <laughs> and they are very susceptible to anger and resentment. And so those are words used to kind of um, explain ones. And I hated all that because I felt like. I spent a better part of my growth path, like avoiding it. And so before I knew that the Enneagram was going to expose it, it kind of like took me off balance. I took the test three times and it came back one every time. So, but I think where I found a true healing in that, I think it's like what you're saying is um, it allowed me to take responsibility for the part I played in my relationship. Right. Cause Mm. I think for a long time, a lot of my anger was projected towards other people. Uh, yeah. and for a long time I was like oh this is just how they're treating me uh, but through the Enneagram I realized that I was internalizing things that like no one met against me right and so yeah. it allowed me to really take responsibility over that um, and to and to grow out of that space so yeah I love I love that you're a two I know so many twos uh. <laughs> and so I, even as you're talking every time someone talks to me about their type and how they live in it like I want to cry <laughs> because you you are allowed to cry here (laughs) (laughs) I want to cry because I feel like it's such a reality that they're you know that they're living in is that it's that Mm -hmm. painful reality so yeah yeah for real like it is kind of it is a painful reality because I'm like yeah I went almost um I was introduced to the Enneagram in college and Mm -hmm. I think it must have been like when I turned 21 so 21 years of my life Mm -hmm. I had gone not just being like I'm not sure what my main motivator is, but for some reason, this really irks me when this happens or this is a big fear that I have and I don't know why, or I don't get why other people don't think the way I do, or why is it that certain disappointments hurt me so deeply when I think they probably shouldn't, 
because it doesn't hurt other people that I know in this way. Yes. And so mm-hmm. you're like, oh my gosh, Eli, are you crazy? <laughs> I'm like, well, what's going? Are you just like needy? And you're like, well, no, because now I realize that my basic fear is being unwanted or being unworthy of love. And when those things, when that fear creeps up, it's a scary thing. That's why it's scary for like certain parts. But, you know, um, when I feel loved and when I'm able to be loved and I'm able to give love unselfishly, it's so powerful and it's so healing. And like why those things are so moving. And I'm like, oh, I get it now. (laughs) Like this makes sense. Yeah. So how have you seen uh, the, like, so I know you're married and you said your husband is a, nine a five a five five, a five. Mm-hmm. so how does that dynamic work between you and your relationship because I know we were talking about how it works with our empathy and sympathy with other people right and compassion absolutely um so within my marriage uh, another practice of the Enneagram that I love is the practice of Enneagram pairings uh, right so there's mm. there's this study behind how how your type functions with another my husband and I have been married eight and a half years now. And along the way, we hit this really rough patch where we just had a really hard time understanding each other. Um, and a little bit after this time is when I learned the Enneagram and it really gave us both uh, lenses to see each other better. And so like you're saying, as an example, um, my husband is a five. And one aspect of a five is that um, they feel this need to be capable, to feel competent, and to feel that what they have to contribute is of value. And my husband came from a past that never really championed him in this. And so it really drove him to live out of this reality um, that his thoughts and what he had to say really held no value in the world. And when we married, I was very young and very selfish. And I would often discredit the things he had to say before he even had a chance to complete his thoughts. God help me. And about five years into our marriage, that really took a toll on his mental well-being. Um, and then vice versa. One thing that my husband did that really affected me was correct every word I would say um, in my sentence structures. And as a five, it was his way of contributing and correcting um, an idea because fives have such access to options and that is even in sentence structures. But for me as a one whose life goal really is to work hard so I can be above criticism, so no one can find fault in me, um, I found what he was doing to be very offensive. And it spoke to me that um, not even my sentences could be well-formed thought, um, can be well-formed enough, or, or my thought processes could not be perfect enough to be spoken out. And so as you can see, uh, both of these attack the very driving force behind what makes a successful marriage, which is communication. And so um, learning about each other in these ways through the language of the Enneagram allowed us to really learn how to speak with each other with greater intention and greater connection and without offense. Through the Enneagram, I really learned that my husband, the core of who he is, has never changed. And the things that hurt him will never change. And I had to learn how to fall in love with the core of who he was and really uh, fall in love with the essence of his being and how he functions within the world. And and not so much about how it manifests through time and and seasons of life. And so um, 
I actually learned uh, through the Enneagram that ones and fives are common mistypes, meaning, uh -oh. uh, yeah, meaning okay. ones are usually mistaken for fives, fives for ones. And that was huge for me during that time. Cause mm. I was like, no, this man is so different from me. Like, how can we continue our marriage being so different? And then I found that out and I was like, what does that mean for our marriage? And so I started learning about our pairing and really what the strengths were in our pairing. Um, and it really gave us lens to see what our marriage was supposed to look like in the way that we were wired together versus um, what we see on you know, TV or, or even mm -hmm. in doing, doing life with other people. Um, you know, instead of comparing our marriages to what other ones have, uh, like a two and nine is a wonderful pairing. Um, and so instead of comparing ourselves to what that looks like, we were able to really grow in what our marriage looks like. And so um, I knew I love that you're five. <laughs> so in ways that Eric and I, oh, Eric is my husband, that we're alike is we're very, um, what's the word? We're very logical people. Uh, we're very logical. We're not feelings based, which is against you, Eli, in the heart triad. All the feelings all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. That's something that ones and fives could use a little more of, right? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, yeah, just to summarize that a bit and, and close that conversation. Yeah. I found out that my husband and I are very much very similar in our pairing. And yeah, it's been a gift to our marriage for sure. Thank you for sharing that with us. I love mm -hmm. to. Because I was like, oh, how does, how do these things work? Like, you know, because uh, mm -hmm. I had a friend who was like, he's a very solid, what was it? A peacemaker, dude. Oh, a nine. nine. Yes. He's yes. very solid, solid nine. And <laughs> I would get so frustrated because I was like, why don't you just do this? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah. if you just did this, your problem would be solved. Or like, if you did this, our relational problem would be okay. If you just did. Mm -hmm. And then it took, and then once I took the energy guy, I realized like, oh, shoot. <laughs> like, and we learned to work it through. We learned to like, because I realized that you said, oh, we're so different because we have different core essences and core responses yeah. to the, the world around us, right? And mm -hmm. so he really wants to have peace and to have this tranquility. And I'm just like, something is not okay with the way I'm feeling right now and we need to solve it right now and he didn't get it and I didn't get why he didn't get it and so it, it gave us a riff for a while because we're speaking two different languages we want the same thing yeah. but our vocabulary to get there is like different um, absolutely but after that we learned to speak each other's language we're like okay mm -hmm. we're like we're better friends we're stronger friends um and now we know like hey when Eli feels this like when Eli says this it's not because he actually really thinks that it's just yeah. the fear is coming through or when this person isn't saying this or isn't doing this it's not because they do that but that's just all these things coming through so yeah. then within friendships within marriage um, obviously the Enneagram is a very useful tool so in your ministry um, and your partnership in your church how have you seen this as a helpful tool or unhelpful tool I mean I don't know uh, within your church context and how do you think we can utilize uh, this Enneagram for helpful ways? Yeah so uh, the Enneagram has always been used in the Catholic churches and it's only recently become more prominent in uh, the Protestant churches and and because of that that means that it's very new in the Hmong churches right and so 
I think to a certain degree, uh, the Enneagram is widely misunderstood right now. I think there's a lot of controversy behind it, but um, in my own church, uh, we don't use the Enneagram in any sort of official capacity. Uh, and I think that's simply because we don't have the tools or really just the intelligence to do it well right now. Because I think, like you said, it could be uh, not a useful tool. It could be mistaken for a tool to use against people. Right. right, right, for sure. Instead of for them. But yeah, in the small group of us that have loved practicing it, um, we love using it as a tool to really call out people's gifts, um, to help them when they're not living outside of their best selves. And how can we counsel them and love on them in a way that brings them back? But yeah, I think, uh, especially if you're a leader, uh, I think the Enneagram is, is an amazing tool in leadership if done well. I think it not only will allow you to better serve uh, the needs of your people, but I think it'll make you a better and more compassionate and more cognizant leader in that you can get to know what your red flags are when you might not be leading outside of the best version of yourself. And and when you can learn to recognize that, um, you can take a step back and find out where along the way you gave into a uh, what lies, right, to get into that space and how can you get out of it. But I wanted to also speak about, as I mentioned, the controversies right now with the Enneagram in the church. Um, so I think one of the main arguments is that um, that the Enneagram is trying to replace the supremacy of scripture right, and of the Holy Spirit because we're talking about healing and transformation. But I also wanted to note that there really is no um, mature teacher or uh, or student of the Enneagram who would ever claim that the Enneagram is a replacement, right? Even the greatest teachers will always state before middle and end of their conversation that it's the Enneagram is a man-made tool of unknown origins uh, that can show you just how weak you are and how strong God is, right? And so I think if the Enneagram is used well and in and being paired with the gospel, it'll always point you back to the cross. And it'll always remind you that the true and the only source of healing and transformation comes to the spirit of God alone. And I think it just goes back to my story before is that it's a supplement, right? A really cool supplement. I love it. But a supplement to, to the church. Thank you for sharing that. And what do you think are some ways that if some, like a, maybe even a small group want to implement this, what is a way that they can do it well? Like what are some things that maybe they should keep in mind or maybe how can they go about it in a healthy way? Yeah, I think one thing that's important is to make sure that the person who is doing it is has done enough research um, and is themselves in a healthy place as they're learning about the Enneagram, uh, right? I think it's also, it's always a disadvantage when someone who is probably living in an unhealthy season is trying to take this tool and, and use it for others. I think there is a distortion there that can cause more pain than good. Um, because I think a temptation of the Enneagram is to read each type, right? And then look at the members of your church and be like, this is that person. Like, let me tell you, eights, right? <laughs> Sorry, eights get like dumped on a lot. <laughs> but eights are like the strong type, right? They're the protector, the challenger. They are aggressive. Um, they're called challengers because they want to challenge everything. And I'm sure a couple of us can think of a few people in our church that might do that. Uh, but uh, yeah, the temptation is to look at them and be like, this is you and you are unhealthy, right? Um, and so that's one thing you want to avoid in practicing the Enneagram is never to use it to type other people. They always say that no one ha is responsible for typing another person. You just don't know uh, what motivates them. Only they will know that through the spirit of God, only they can come to that 
that discovery themselves. Uh, but yeah, I think being healthy, doing really good research, and then always remembering it, to use it as a tool of love and grace and not of um, singling people out or, or trying to find out faults in other people. I think that's good. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So within your experience, um, what has been a joy, some joys, and then some challenges for you as you learn more about the Enneagram? Mm. So I, mean, I think a huge joy for me has been really learning to love people better. Um, I am a one, right? And like I said, we are we are judgmental and critical beings. <laughs> like, and a lot of my life, I just lived out of a space of just harboring a lot of that. But the Enneagram has brought me brought me such freedom in like seeing people through the lens of Jesus, right? And I think that's an incredible gift and a, an incredible joy is to see people the way God sees them. And so I've learned such a such a compassion for everyone I do life with through the Enneagram. Um, a, another thing is I, I mentioned earlier, it's just in my marriage. I mean, I want to say the Enneagram has helped my marriage so much. There were things that drove me crazy about my husband, uh, like Eli shared earlier, like you're just never on the same page. But it really allowed the both of us to really um, love each other better and to speak kinder words, knowing the kind of words to avoid, to uh, not really wound them. Um, and so that's another joy. Some challenges that I've had, I think the biggest challenge right now is trying to practice it well um, in the midst of controversy. Um, in, the, in the midst of uh, misunderstanding of what it is, um, because because I'm such a huge advocate for it, and then there is this huge wall of controversy. I feel like I can't really practice it to its full capacity in the areas that I would love to. Um, but I think that would be the greatest challenge. Other than that, it's been such a joy for me. So you said something that I love, you know, to <laughs> to be able to practice it in its fullest capacity. So I want to play this idea, like this vision game. So like in, in your uh, realm of, of vision, of ideation, of dreaming, um, <laughs> what do you think, you know, to, in the church, to, let's say that the controversy wasn't here, that we came to a place of healthy understanding, of helpful understanding, that this is supplementary to gospel witness, to discipleship, to the calling to follow and chase after Christ. What do you think this could look like? Oh, what a vision. <laughs> that right. is, that is, yeah, I, I, I have such a heart for this. That is such a huge vision because that's exactly what I like. I dream for it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it starts from um, leadership, right? And, and I think the main thing that I love with the Enneagram is really being able to pinpoint people's gifts. You know, I feel like a lot of the times we as leaders can't, can't delegate well and and we're placing jobs on people that they are not they, they can't function in, in in their fullest capacity based on their wiring and I feel like um, if we could practice the Enneagram as leaders we could better serve in that capacity the church would feel less burnt out and more empowered um, and I think like you're saying it could be used for a tool for discipleship and and seeing the whole world just outside of the church too um, and how we can better love our community and, and serve in that ways. Another dream I have for the Enneagram in the church is to have a body that's really good at counseling pain, or at least having better ears um, to listen for pain in the body. Um, I think oftentimes we unknowingly counsel out of our own wounds, and that's 
that ends up not being very helpful uh, to the narrative of the other person. Uh, for instance, I'm going to use uh, the example of you two uh, between twos and fives, uh, because one of my favorite podcasts is also led by a two-five pairing, uh, but they're always very transparent about the difficulties in their relationship. Um, they're not a married couple, they're just friends. Um, but twos live in the heart triad and fives live in the head. And so twos are all feelings, all warmth and emotion, while, while fives are much more intellectual and more about being led by reason uh, versus emotion. So say a five comes to a two and says, um, I'm feeling really discouraged about the ministry event I just held that didn't go well. Um, and unknowing two, uh, their gut reaction may be to give a laundry list of self-care items, showering them with words of affirmations, uh, maybe even gifts and sending them Bible verses and, and motivational quotes. Uh, and, and that's such a generalization. Uh, so excuse me twos. Um, but a five may walk away from this feeling like the conversation didn't help much at all and still walking away feeling unheard. And so the five, again, this is a generalization of fives, uh, but they may have found a, a more productive conversation had the two helped them logically talk through what didn't go well and options for how to make it better next time. And again, that can be easily switched. Uh, um, say that it was the two that approached the five with that struggle. And the five just went ahead and, um, talk them logically through what went wrong and what could go better, where a two really just wanted to be heard and their emotions to be affirmed and validated. Um, so yeah, it could go both ways, uh, but in knowing the Enneagram, um, it can give us better ears to listen to struggle and not to misplace that struggle. And again, this isn't a way to replace even therapy because I think therapy, I'm such an advocate for it, is so good. Uh, but it's just another aid uh, within the church uh, where we can just be better uh, at listening to people who are going through a really hard time. Yeah, I hope that answers your question because it was such a good question. But... <laughs> no, I love it. I love it because okay. I, I agree with that because, you know, I feel like uh, in my experience with working with church, with my church and with other churches I've interned for, like the place that we fall into is like you said, we try to delegate, we need to delegate work, right? So people don't burn out, so things can get done and get done well. And that we're all pulling the weight together as a local church to bless our community and each other, right? And then the difficult part is that when we try to delegate work um, and very specific things to people, but we don't know what they're good at and they might not know what they're skilled at. Like yeah. they, they might have untapped skills that have yet to be open. And so I assigned to you something that like, oh, this is not how I'm wired. Like, like for, for them, for me, like I am, I did youth group for a long time, but I'm terrible at activities. You know? <laughs> you know? I'm like, yes. I suck at activities. People like find an activity. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's fun. I like to read <laughs> like, or like I'll come up with an activity and no one wants to do it. I'm like the activity I want to do is like to bob for bananas in yogurt I still want that you know I for me like that yeah. sounds cool but no one else makes this fun but then it's like um in another way I've had friends who are like I I want to serve but I don't know what I'm good at because you know we have gifts in the church that are like super obvious it's like like the gift of speaking and teaching and preaching you know gifts with music and if you don't necessarily fall into those like where do you how can you be a part of this church body 
uh, mm-hmm. meaningfully. And like you said, like, you know, it starts with leadership to, to find a way to empower other people in, in the spirit, with the spirit, um, using this tool. And I, I'm so thankful for that, that you put words into it, because I probably wouldn't have been able to think of it without you saying it first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would have. <laughs> Eventually, like maybe a couple of years down the road. <laughs> Eden, just within your own experience and just like the, within the people that you know, how, like when somebody gets the number, right, the Enneagram number, how have you seen the way they have changed or how they feel about what they got, you know, and how that has helped them in their lives or even understanding the gospel deeper? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, there, I mean, there's all types of people um, and they often say that fives uh, don't like the Enneagram. <laughs> so... <laughs> So that's a very common thing is if they're like, oh, they just don't really care about the Enneagram. Oh, they must be a five. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so there's all kinds of people and there are some who they've done their typing and they read it and they're like, that's cool. Um, And then they don't go much further than that. Um, And so, and then there are others who, who read it and they just break apart, you know, because there are these things that they've always internally wrestled with that they just really didn't have the language to to understanding what that was. And so I I've seen people read their type and just and just cry because they for the first time in their life they are seen right for all of the things that they try to hide away. Um, and so that's what the enneagram is. It's it's revealing the things about you that you try to hide away. And so I with those people I've seen them I've seen such healing in those people and, and how they step forward in, in who they are and in their own callings in their life is um, this constant effort. It's, it's always effort, right? Like I always say like the Enneagram has brought me healing, but it's a, it's a every morning thing. I have to wake up every morning and tell me myself that I am a good person because my biggest fear is to be bad. So uh, I have to remind myself every morning. And so th- through those people, I see, um, a lot of transformation in even their leadership in the church. Um, I see compassion growing. Um, but yeah, I think those are kind of the two uh, groups of people that I really see. Either way, it's okay, you know, because the Enneagram, like I said, it's supplemental. It's not for everyone. And um, like my brother, he's not huge on the Enneagram, but my whole family is. Uh, but he's huge on working out, right? And so I'm always like, you know how working out is to you? Like, that's supplemental to my life. <laughs> just like Enneagram is supplemental to yours. So for those people, I'm like, that's cool. Like uh, you, you don't need to do anything with it. But I have seen some really good fruit from people who have used it. And I just have a, a also a question because I, I don't really know much about Enneagram. And I know that there are like wings, right? Can you just yes. say a little bit about what that is? Yeah, of course. So uh, the whole symbol, there's an Enneagram symbol and it, it was created um, to all kind of work together. And so within each, it's in a circle, uh, within each type, you have a number on each side. And like for me, my two numbers is nine and two. It's the two numbers next to you. Um, For Eli, a two would be a three and four. uh, And for you, a a four and six. And what those wings do is it, it kind of manifests differently in your numbers. So I want to say, for example, um, my new, I'll use you because I do this with my husband a lot. He is a strong wing six. Sixes are like, they're the devil's advocate. You know, they're always trying to find what ways things can go wrong. They're, they're diehard loyals, you know, and they look in lo- for loyalty in people. They're very serious type uh, where the fours are 
very emotional, you know, and very in tune with their emotion, very anointed in that way. And so if you're a five and you wing a four, you would be, you would be you, a five who is very logical, wise, uh, but you would have a lot more emotions. Um, where my husband has no emotions because he wings a six. And so he's a lot more, uh, what's the word? Um, anxious, anxious uh, as a five wing six. So yeah, if that explains that a little bit. No, no, yeah, that was good. Thank you. Because I, um, you know, you see it. And then I'm always like, so what exactly is that? And like, how is that different? You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for explaining that. So then as we come to the closing of our time or to the tail end of our time together, what words of encouragement can you offer to someone who may be a lay person or a leader who is uh, contemplating the use of the Enneagram amidst the controversy? I think my best uh, word for them would be to give it a chance, um, to not be afraid of it, um, and to always remember that it isn't the gospel and it's not meant to be used in that way. Um, it's a tool that really gives you the, like, the language to, um, to understand the things that hurt you. And in using that with the gospel, always pair the Enneagram with the gospel. That, I, that might be my summary here is always use it with scripture because only through that can you really get the full fruit of the Enneagram. Thank you. Eden, a question that we asked all our guests. Uh, what is your favorite <laughs> Bible passage or book of the Bible and why? That's an easy one for me. <laughs> uh, my favorite book of the Bible is Hebrews. Uh, I love Hebrews. Um, Hebrews speaks to the supremacy of Christ, right? And every time I read it, uh, I see the power of not only God in an unshakable kingdom. Like this book has the craziest wording. <laughs> Uh, but I get to see the power that we get to be part of as co-heirs of Christ, right? And so it's always an encouragement to me when I read that book, because Christians are not just called to be uh, good people and to read the Bible, but like in Hebrews 11, uh, right, which is a huge chapter, it puts us above the greatest of the Bible characters, like we're above that. And it gives us a glimpse into um, our greater authority to do really incredible and supernatural things for the kingdom of God. So I love Hebrews, my favorite. So I also really love Hebrews uh, um, yeah. for those reasons too. So I'm like, yes, <laughs> I got you. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I love it. So then Eden, where can our listeners find you and is there anything you'd like to share with the listeners in regards to like what you're doing with your business yeah um i will redirect you guys to my business page because on my main page it's like i'm that annoying mom with just photos of my kids so <laughs> no one like, wants okay, to go we honor that <laughs> <laughs> It's so kind of you to say, but really, um, I'll, I'll tell you my shop page, which, which is an apparel shop called Creation in Mind. Um, I'm going to be launching another Enneagram line soon. So I'm really excited about that. But on Instagram, you can find me at um, shop creation in mind. Um, or my website is www.creationinmind.com. And so, yeah, feel free to hit me up there if you have any questions about Enneagram resources or if you just want to talk about these things. I love that. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. We will have Eden's information and any related resources in our show notes, as well as on our Instagram. So make sure to follow us there at Let's Break Bread podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and family. You can screenshot this episode and share with us on Instagram what your takeaways are. Make sure to tag us at Let's Break Bread podcast.